This podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Enter hitched749, all one word, to get your .com domain at $7.49. Again, hitched749 to get your next .com domain for $7.49 at GoDaddy.com. You really want to know what love is? Yeah. Yes, tell us. More than anything in the world, Ron. Well... It's really quite simple. When you're married, you'll understand the importance of fresh produce. Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. Uh, this week, we actually have a special podcast for you. Uh, I spoke with the author of the new book, Cheat on Your Husband with Your Husband. The author is Andrea Siertash, and uh, this is a conversation that Andrea and I had. And so without further ado, here is the interview. The book is uh, he's uh, Cheat on Your Husband with Your Husband, and you've also written He's Just Not Your Type, and that's a good thing. Uh, why did you want to write this book? When I got married five years ago, I went to the bookstore just to get some resources on marriage, and I wasn't in a place at the time where my marriage was in trouble or where I needed big relationship rescue. Um, obviously, uh, you know, I was just getting married, and I was in a great place with my partner, but I, I always think, you know, why wait until something's broken to fix it? So I wanted to write this book. This is Relationship Renewal, not Relationship Rescue. And I, I felt like the marriage advice aisle in the bookstore needed a little more um, renewal okay. <laughs> and not just heavy self-help books. And, I, of course, they're both valuable, but that's what I intended to write, just um, a way to keep marriage fun, fresh, fulfilling, and you don't need to have problems to crave that. So that's where I was, and that's what I hope I share with the readers. Okay. And so who would you say is the, the ideal reader? I mean, so you, you brought up that this is more about um, not rescuing but more about renewal. So who, who do you think the reader is for your book? Well, I think the reader is uh, someone who had a really fun, fulfilling life before she got married. But let me say this. I wrote it to women, although men are buying it, which I'm thrilled about. And I think <laughs> hopefully – the advice and the case studies and the research I share in the book is applicable to not only women but men, not only straight people, but gay readers. I mean, I really think the, the advice I share on communication or on recent marriage studies uh, is applicable to all and all ages. But I did think uh, of a woman kind of in my age range in her 20s, 30s, um, who... Uh, who's been married maybe for either recently married or married under 10 years who could use a boost. Now, that said, um, a woman wrote me who's been married for 35 years and joked with me that she's trying some of the things that the kids try today That because in the book I talk, cause I, would have, I talk about using technology in a way to increase intimacy, and, and she's had a grudge against technology, and she said, well, that was an interesting thing to read. I never thought of it that way. So, I mean, I pictured a reader kind of in her, in her 20s, 30s, but it, I think, I really think it goes beyond that. I hope. 
I, I will say this. I, having, having read it, um, it definitely does go beyond just the 20s and 30s. But yeah. um, and, and I wanted – I'll talk to you a little bit about the technology in a minute because uh, I, yeah. I had a speci- specific questions about that and I think it's really great. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think um, – I, I I think the advice that you provide uh, runs the gamut for who it would actually help. Um, mm-hmm. So you have a, a chapter in the book called This Is Not Your Mother's Marriage, um, mm-hmm. where you talk about the different demographics of marriage, the different life stages, um, and the role reversal that is happening between men and women. Uh, w- was there anything that surprised you when you were researching this chapter? Yes, a lot of things surprised me. Um, I thought it was interesting that, uh, well, I came across research that women in Japan, for instance, which I included in the book, um, stay single longer than women in the United States. I was surprised by that because they don't want to give up their independence and kind of uh, enter a traditional role, gender role in marriage. So, so that was surprising research. I also found it interesting that uh, divorce rates have dropped. Um, that I, I wrote that in, in that chapter. I talked about the research. We always quote 50% of all marriages fail. That's actually not accurate. It's not true. Uh, it's still a staggering high, high number, but in recent years the, the divorce rates are dropping. I also, uh, the average age to get married when my mother in the 60s, late 60s, got married was I think around 22 and it jumped about five years to when I got married. Now, five years doesn't seem like a significant jump um, mm-hmm. that we're getting married five years later than our parents did or our mothers did. But it, it really is significant because I, I think our our family, while I was – why I included the, the chapter, this isn't your mother's marriage, <laughs> is because I think so many of us try to emulate um, the relationship our parents had, which is fantastic. If, if they had a loving relationship, we can certainly learn from that. But we come into marriage wanting to be self-expressed and um, having, you know, some of us have lived alone mm-hmm. for 10 years before we got married or, you know, had dynamic careers and lives before we merged lives with someone else. And not to say our parents never had that, but um, some, some people are using really old-fashioned values um, and applying it to their modern marriage, and then they there's a disconnect. So I just wanted to shine a light on the fact that times have changed, and because of that, marriage has changed, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, and I mean, you brought up the f- five years doesn't sound like a lot of time, but that five years, when you think about where it is in your life, and, and you highlight this in your book, it's, it's going to college, it's moving out on your own, so there's a lot of things yeah. that help you, help you develop as a person. Um, and then the next, I think it's the next chapter in your book. It's uh, turn me on. It really breaks down the life balance and self fulfillment of of a woman. Um, I mean, it's a goal that everyone strives for, but uh, it seems anyway that it's it's rarely achieved. Uh, why do, why do you think that's so hard for people to um, get that life balance? Yeah, I mean, and I'm not always great at it myself, so I get it. Uh, Ironically, when I was writing How to Teat Your Husband, I never saw my husband because I was so busy. But um, I think, yeah, I think it's really um, why why people struggle with it is because sometimes they, they feel guilty if they prioritize their own needs over their 
partner's needs over their kids' needs. And what I'm trying to show in the book is that when you put yourself first, you're actually modeling, especially if you're a parent. I did write the book picturing a lot of the readers having, you know, being parents as well and uh-huh. kind of trying to find that balance between uh, life with her partner and also being a good mother and having a life outside of marriage. And um, I think there's a lot of guilt, you know, for, especially for new mothers who um, – just don't, they feel like they're abandoning their kids if they go on a date night with their husband or if they cultivate their own passions. And so I really wanted to present research in that chapter to show how healthy um, and necessary it is to be connected and aligned with yourself before you try to be a good mother or a good wife. And, um, and, and But I do think it's hard. I think a lot of us feel guilty when we, uh, you know, prioritize our own needs. And, and we have to realize it's not mutually exclusive. You can prioritize your own needs, and you can be a very present uh, wife and mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your book, uh, you know, it's, it's titled Cheat on Your Husband, but it doesn't talk about just cheating on your husband. It also talks about cheating on your kids, which were, you were just mentioning. <laughs> uh, and part of this requires going on date nights, and it's something that we preach all the time uh, at Hitched. Uh, yep. now, your book offers several examples of really good date ideas, and uh, it also, you also mentioned some things that aren't good ideas. Uh, do, do you have Do you have a favorite uh, date idea? Well, no. I think you should tailor your uh, date to your interest. So, I'm not a huge hiker, but if I were, yeah. <laughs> I would. I would say that's a fantastic date. Um, so tailored to what you're interested in. The, the key with a date night, um, if you want to have a really memorable one that's, um, you know, kind of carries. The, the great thing about it's like when you travel on vacation. You don't just go for that week. It carries over into the next week and the next week. You're so, mm-hmm. you, you have a great experience, and it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. So I think some of my favorite date ideas um, have novelty. Uh, it's not the same place you always end up at um, around the corner from your home. Uh, it's not the place you take your kids for dinner. It's not, you know, it's actually something new that you and your partner can explore together. So I often say be a tourist in your city. Uh-huh. See the sites that you, you don't generally visit. I live in New York. I've never been to the Statue of Liberty, for instance. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, or the Empire State Building. Um, but it, it would be, you know, tailor a date uh, to your interest, but to decide to have that perspective of, you know, we're going to be on vacation together for the next few hours. We're going to be tourists in our city and discover something new together. And that will um, increase dopamine in your brain and that will register your connection as new again because you're, you're seeing new things and you're experiencing new things. And then for that brief moment on your date, you're going to perhaps see your partner in a new light, which is always a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny you say that too, when you, you live in New York and you've never seen the Statue of Liberty or whatnot. <laughs> my, my wife and I, uh, we met in San Francisco when we were both uh, in college and mm-hmm. uh, we no longer live in San Francisco, but now we make it a point whenever we go back and visit, which is at least once a year, to do sightseeing and, uh, and to visit all these like tourist traps that we never 
right. never had an opportunity to do while we were actually living there. And it's it's kind of funny because people are like, how have you never been to like the, <laughs> the wharf or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, well, I mean, and you know, when you're on vacation, you do generally feel a little more romantic with your your spouse, mm-hmm. but um, you can kind of have that same uh, response in your own city, even if you've only blocked up two hours. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, throughout your book, you um, you ask the reader to think back to when they were first dating um, or the goals and dreams that they had on their wedding day. Uh, do you think we lose uh, – I mean, wh- well, why do you think we lose our sense of direction after marriage or is it kind of just a motivation thing? Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, I think we all get bogged down by so many real practical to-dos. And um, and and I, I dedicated the first chapter of the book to the brain and love. Our brains actually change uh, when we're falling in love. Falling in love and being in love are different experiences chemically mm-hmm. in our brain. So I think part of it is we're not as inspired because our brains aren't pumping out all these crazy love chemicals telling us to, uh, you know, uh, be romantic all the time. But I think the other part of it is real life gets in the way and, it's um, it's just something, you know, We some of us take for granted that we're married to someone and that person will always be around and we don't, you know, we see the work of marriage. We know that part of the work of marriage is paying bills and parenting and um, in-law issues, navigating in-law issues and um, other big, you know, we, we, we value and recognize that work. But we don't think of fun and romance um, as part of the work in, of marriage, and it really is. Yeah, um, that's that's a really important part of the work. So I think it's also that we don't see that as important because it's not something that you know is easy to measure. It's not something that needs to be done. You know, you have to pay your bills. You have to <laughs> yeah. do certain things that are just part of real life, but. Um, romance just feels like that kind of thing that you can you can get to later, mm-hmm. and it's not going to affect you, and it and it really does. So um, part of my book is actually to show the reader that the more you work on, and it's not just about fireworks and roses and candy and chocolate or romance. You know, sure. the more you work just on connection and connecting and talking and connecting the way you did when you were dating, the more you'll be able to navigate the hard things that come up because you'll be more connected. Mm-hmm. In, in your book, you talk about um, modern cheating and what we were, you were bringing up at the beginning here about how technology plays a role. Um, do you uh, personally have any rules that you and your husband follow when it comes to technology? Well, you know, I'm much more, I'm much worse than he is in terms of abusing technology. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's crazy. I tweet way too much. I'm on every social network. I'm on the internet all the time. I think our rule is during a meal, we power off. Uh-huh. That's one of the things we've had to train ourselves to do. Um and also, um, a lot of people say they have no time for intimacy. A lot of people I interviewed said there's yeah. no time for sex and intimacy, but then admit to being on Facebook an hour before bed. Uh-huh. So I, I think something that I've tried to be more conscious of is um, if we have, you know, t- 
time together to actually connect and talk over a meal, power off, or before bed, I don't bring the computer into our bedroom. That's the other thing. We don't have any screens in our bedroom. I, ha I don't have a TV. Um, I don't have a computer or my phone. I don't uh, think it's a good place for screens. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very so. good rule to follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one that took a while to, to learn, but it's been an amazing thing since we took it out. So. <laughs> uh, in, in your book, you, uh, you also mention how having a crush might not necessarily be a bad thing for your marriage. Uh, can, can you exp explain that briefly? Um, what do you mean by yes. that? Yes. <laughs> that was kind of a provocative thing because I've written about that on other sites, and sure. it's definitely. But here's the thing. I mean, my premise is this. Uh, the question to ask yourself when you're married is not, how can I avoid being attracted to others uh, other than my spouse? The question to ask is, what choices will I make when I'm attracted to others? So I, I simply wanted to bring in a very real issue that pops up in marriage that I don't think is written enough about. Mm -hmm. uh, that was not in English. It's not covered enough. <laughs> and um, I, I, I wanted to just um, kind of face some realities. Also another reality in a long-term relationship is boredom. So I just wanted to take kind of these issues like crushing on people or feeling bored and offer some solutions and strategies on how to navigate it. Um, I'm not saying go out and get a crush today if you don't <laughs> have one. That's fine. But should you find, you know, the guy at the deli cute and you kind of get excited when you see him in the morning, I don't think you should at all feel guilty about that. And there's a way to be inspired by that feeling you have and channel it back into your relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. And you give a great – by the way, uh, for all you guys listening, um, Andrea gives a lot of really great um, examples throughout the book. And you have a – I thought you had a really great example uh, leading into this little subject in your book. So, um, Oh, good. <laughs> you you <laughs> talk about um, – the benefits of being in a long-term relationship like marriage and the freedom that it provides to be more adventurous um, in your sex. Why, why do you think some people or some couples uh, lose that spirit after they get married? Because we always think of like sexual adventure in our single days, but we don't think of that when we get married. Yeah. I think part of it is that we – we're not, first of all, we don't, we're not trying to impress the person anymore <laughs> and show how, how fun and sexy we are. So part of it is just that, you know, in courtship, you're always doing a little bit of a, a show, even if uh -huh. you're not doing it consciously. I'm a great mate. You're, yeah. you're going to want to procreate with me. You know, there's a bit of that. But um, I think also just, again, we're tired. We're all so overbooked in our lives. And uh, it seems to take more energy to be creative in the bedroom. It seems to exert energy and be stressful. And actually, the, the irony of that is that uh, when you have sex, actually, the, the hormone cortisol, is, it's a stress hormone, is actually decreased in your brain. And uh, it's, it actually releases stress. It doesn't generally induce stress to, um, you know, be intimate, but, uh -huh. um, and it also releases oxytocin, which makes you feel more connected and attached. But I think we just, yeah, we stop being creative because we kind of take for granted that we have 
our partner's love and affection, and we don't need to impress anymore, and we're tired, and it feels like too much energy. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, now, um, I, I mentioned all the anecdotes uh, in your book. Uh, while collecting these anecdotes, did anyone ever tell you something that you found shocking? Oh, yeah. A lot. A lot of things. <laughs> um, a few people confessed to me that they were cheating. Oh, wow. But they didn't want it, they didn't want it on record. Um, I didn't generally use those interviews because those were more complicated. That would be more in the relationship rescue aisle. Yeah. But I did learn a lot from them because I did explore it um, with them. I was also very surprised. I, I interviewed a call girl for my book, which you probably yeah. saw. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, was, I was very surprised in that interview that one of the most requested services married men asked for was girlfriend experience. Yes. Because that, when I asked her to describe it, and she, she said, well, it's kissing, it's cuddling, it's oral sex, it's talking, it's talking without judgment, it's um, having sex without being on the clock, like all these things that I couldn't believe married people were paying prostitutes <laughs> for this. Yeah. Um, so that was surprising because I, I pictured it would be like swinging from the chandelier sex, but it really it was not what she was generally asked to do. So that was surprising. Uh, the other thing is um, I realized, again, I interviewed a gay couple for the book. I interviewed an 80-year-old woman for the book. So even though I'm saying, yeah, uh, my demographic that I was thinking of is generally a woman in her 30s, yeah. um, it really, I, I, I found it really doesn't matter what stage of life you're in and it doesn't matter what your sexual preference is. All of us want the same things in a long-term relationship. We want to be seen for who we are. We want to be. Um, we want to keep growing with our partners. We want to be connected, and th- these are really universal themes. So, it was um, it was interesting for me to get off the phone with an 80-year-old woman and then speak to a 34-year-old woman, and they were saying almost the same things about what they wanted out of their their marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was great. But the 80-year-old woman said, and you, you probably read this, um, I asked her for her biggest piece of marriage advice, and it was very simple, but very hard to do. She said, the most important thing you can offer in a relationship is your presence, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that really stuck with me, because I think it's very true, and especially with technology and everything else taking away taking us away from our partners and our primary relationships. I, that was really poignant, I thought. Yeah, that, that, that's great advice. Um, it's, it's funny you mentioned, too, the GFE or the girlfriend experience in your book. Um, mm-hmm. my, my wife and I just got back from Tokyo, and uh, you, you brought up the, the Japanese women get married later, and they, they have all these life experiences and stuff because they don't want to get, get rid of that life that they have, that lifestyle. Um, yeah. They they in Japan. Uh, we bumped into. Uh, they call them host boys, and we asked around like, so what do these guys do? And it it's they have the boyfriend experience. Like that's women pay them to have the boyfriend experience. Where oh they take wow. Them, they take them out to dinner and yeah, the the whole the whole thing. Exactly what you're talking about. So I think it's and you brought up how all this stuff is universal and it's cross-cultural mm. too, apparently. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think it really is. I mean, it's so hard to, uh, you know, some, 
the, the reasons people cheat most often, like well, in my research anyway, had to do with attention and approval. Mm-hmm. And But on a larger issue in any relationship, even a work relationship, we all want attention and approval. In a friendship, we want that. You know, so... Um, as children, you know, with our parents, we want that. So it's not just the, there are just basic relationship principles that transcend cultures, like you said, and ages. But also, it, it really does go into different relationships. And a few single people have read my book, which I didn't expect. But because my last book, He's Just Not Your Type, and that's a good thing, uh-huh. was targeted to singles, some some of my readers from that. Uh, wanted to support me or liked my writing or what for whatever reason they bought my marriage book <laughs> uh-huh. and they felt that there were lessons in there that weren't even just for married people so uh, I think I hope that that it it has that yeah well I will I will say this is a a great book I, I and I've mentioned it like 10 times already but it really is a great <laughs> book and I I really did enjoy reading it and um, I think uh, you know hitched readers and listeners uh, will definitely enjoy it. It's packed with tons of anecdotes. You have little, um, uh, little worksheet type things to do. Um, and, and tons of research in there that backs up what you're saying. So I, I thought it was, it was really well done. I hope people pick it up. Um, it, again, it's called, uh, cheat on your husband with your husband. Um, I'm speaking with Andrea Sirtash and Andrea, you mentioned, um, earlier that you, you are on Twitter all the time. Uh, would you, what, what's your what's your uh, Twitter address so uh, people can follow you? Oh sure, thanks. Well, my name is not very user friendly, <laughs> <laughs> but but my Twitter handle is my name Andrea Sirtash, which maybe will be up on Hitch. Yes, um, we'll put it up. So A N D R E A S Y R T A S H. So it's at Andrea Sirtash. I also have a Facebook fan page, Andrea Sirtash fan page, um, and I love my favorite thing. It really is to connect with people and get their feedback and hear their stories. And um, that's my favorite part of being a journalist. So uh, I would love, I'd love to connect with uh, Hitched listeners. And I think you guys, you do a great job at Hitched. So I'm so happy to thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for saying that. Um, Well, I, you know, that's going to wrap up the podcast. So I just want to say before I uh, click the stop button here, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it and wish you uh, great success in your book and whatever future books you decide to write. Thank you. As a reminder, you can get more information at hitchedmag.com. You can also read the written interview with Andrea Sirtash on hitchedmag.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at hitchedmedia. Andrea, as she mentioned, is on Twitter at Andrea Sirtash. Um, and I will uh, post a link in the interview section as well as on the podcast page. So until next time, take care, everybody. say one thing to my wife who's home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! They certainly got the idea. They feel free to express love. It's worth all those awful frank discussions at the dining room table. Hitched. Entertains, educates, and inspires married couples.